If you have already listened to part one of this episode, you can skip the intro, timestamp, and the show notes. If not, what have you been doing? Go back to it. Go check it out. It will make much more sense. I've said it on this podcast before. I'm going to say it again. I'm obsessed with the mind. I just find its abilities, its depth, and power so incredible and fascinating. I already did a couple of episodes with the mind at the forefront, one about mental health and neuroplasticity, and the other one about the power of the subconscious. Today, as a continuation of my Ayurveda sequel, A Journey to Healthy Living with Ayurveda Medicine, we'll explore the mind through an Ayurvedic standpoint. I told you I'm obsessed. <laughs> Indeed, in part one, we touch upon the importance of aligning our body with our own composition and the external environment. In other words, Ayurveda is a great reminder. It reminds us that the earth, mother nature, through seasons, naturally provides us with the food that we need at that specific time. With our overly industrialized society, it's so easy to forget that as humans, we're fully part of that ecosystem, that our constitution is made to live in tune with nature, with the circadian rhythms, literally the rise and the set of the sun to be active when nature is active and rest when nature is resting, to balance our daily routine so that we flow with the energies of the day rather than going against them, which will inevitably result in suffering. But what is a healthy body without a balanced, healthy mind? There is no denying that the two are inherently linked together. Brain functioning underlines and affects mental and behavior functioning. A body that is not functioning well is often a reflection of what's going on inside one's head. Similarly, a mind that is not well will affect the body through a series of ailments, diseases, and imbalances. Imagine all the things that you have been exposed to and going through individually since you took your first breath on earth. Now, add all of the societal, everything that you've experienced to, and mix it to the bunch. That's a lot, right? <laughs> The mind has a tremendous influence on our overall health. That's what I want to dissect today. How to heal our minds on all levels, from the subconscious to the superconscious part of the brain, with the three regulatory principles of the body, mind, and soul in Ayurveda. For that discovery, who better than a neuroscience BA holder and psychiatrist who has an extensive knowledge of Western medicine, public health, but also adds Ayurveda, spiritual practices, and wellness lifestyle approaches into the mix to build an unshakable awareness for self-healing. I'm very grateful to have Dr. Siva Mohan on this podcast today to guide my little investigation about aligning our mind with Ayurveda medicine. From neuroscience dork to witch doctor, her words, <laughs> Siva presents a unique East-West mind-body version of Ayurveda. With her mind-heart approach, she makes this complex, yet basic medicine and philosophy simple, enjoyable, and more importantly, imperfectly perfect for our modern life. She has been guiding people in her private practice for over a decade to build self-awareness, emotional wellness, to live a healthier life. So as usual, listen up to this jam. Namaste, listeners. Hi, Siva. Hey, how are you doing? I'm very good. We're back at it. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you ready? Yes. How to recognize what dosha imbalance causes harm to the nervous system? 
then and then what to apply or what to consume to bring your mind back to a clear calm and focused place what you're probably talking about and i think the greatest doshic imbalance that we need to attend to is that in vata and again this is definitely um in the book um also there's a course that i have called resolving internal conflict because internal conflict is the greatest source of sort of like instability indecision overwhelm reactivity you know inability like restlessness and anxiety yeah these are the things that i think we struggle with most collectively so when it comes to just for people that might be listening that aren't super familiar with ayurveda vata's signs of vata imbalance in the mind and nervous system are that sort of list that i just gave the restlessness anxiety overwhelm um tangential thinking distraction inability to focus um etc cetera, etc cetera. internal conflict often being a root cause of that vata energy excess pitta signs and symptoms would be all of those sort of more um overworking not being able to re- turn off the mind to relax like super over analytical not being able to turn the mind off to access the emotional intelligence like like everything is very sort of black and white and then all of the overheated emotions so irritability and intensity and confrontation and aggression and all all of that sort of yeah and then all the kapha house stuff has to do really with like stagnation and heaviness and accumulation so it's more of the melancholic depressive lethargic passive um lack of affect type of stuff right so that stuff happens yes but i've never seen it happen without all of the vata stuff preceding it and the pitta stuff while yes we want to attend to it it doesn't seem to impair our functionality as much as the vata stuff (laughs) and our relationships like i don't know just our personal wellness so when you say like sanity that's i think more vata balancing in the mind and nervous system and then especially like unexpected change transition undefined fear these are all vata symptoms so look at what's been happening in the worldscape in the media it's vata 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 for everybody so i think what i'm really hearing from you in the question is how do we balance vata in the mind and nervous system okay and how do you do that there are many tools so obviously if you reduce vata in your life in any way so vata in your diet vata in your routine that's gonna be like for sure one layer of it right? We all need do need to aim for that. That's the bigger picture. In the short term, the most effective way to change the mind and emotional state really has to do with breathing, because breathing we can change instantaneously. And the breath channels, the pranavahashrata are intimately connected with the manavahashrata, the, the mind channels. So it's almost impossible to not change, you know, the mind state when you change the breath. Hmm. So while a very activating breath work might be like good for stimulating and activating or feeling heavy and lethargic and sedentary, you would want to aim for more grounding, sort of settling, earthing, you know, sort of breath work exercises for vata, right? 
And then um, warmth and suppleness are really important too. So like this is where all of the warm oil massages and the shiro daras and the body therapies of Ayurveda come into play. And then herbs, right? So um, on my webpage, I do have a shop page where they, I don't make the herbs, but it's like all my favorite companies and links and, and my recipes. So um, you can scroll down to the mind section and see some recommendations I have for herbal approaches to helping with the emotional balance (laughs) that we're feeling. But um, two breathwork exercises that are super simple and easy and people can like look up on YouTube, like more instruction on one is bumblebee breath so brummery pranayam Mm -hmm. and that has to do with like a nasal hum on the exhale that vibrates the cribiform plate and kind of just like you know how you vibrate a baby and they like go to sleep like it's it's (laughs) a grounding kind of pranayam I really love that when I'm starting to feel anxious like if I'm driving like on a six lane highway you know the cars are whizzing by and (laughs) Or like I'm running late and I'm starting to like rev up about that. Like it's, it's an instant sort of anxiety hit for me. Okay. And then the other one that I think is super simple for everybody, that's a very like evening uh, regulating sort of energy, which is very good when you've got a lot of irregular and change and everything swirling, right? Is the alternate nostril breath right? And so it forces you to even out your inhales and your exhales to be present, you know, and to even out the two sides of the 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 pinkula. Well, not really of the brain, but yes, it ends up happening of the, of the life force carrying um, subtle energetic body channels. But isn't it like also working with the left side and right side of the brain? Yes, but just to, the left side and the right side of the whole body, actually, right? So if, if oh, I attend okay. to it, the left and the right of the subtle energetic body, it's then going to affect the physical. Obviously. And, and absolutely, they do say that it helps with right left brain balancing. Also, if I'm balancing both sides subtly, it's balancing the feminine and the masculine aspects. Yes. The yin and the yang. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's funny that you mentioned breath work because today I signed up to uh, the Wim Hof method. So mm-hmm. it's not the easy breath work, but uh, <laughs> we'll see how that goes because I feel like it's super important to get into your breath, get into your own body, get into your own energy. Yeah. Oh, yes, for sure. Apart from the gunas or guna, what is the difference between the general scientific neurological perspective and the Ayurvedic one on the mind and more specifically the major areas of their nervous system? Yes. Yeah, so with the mind in neuroscience, we look at states of consciousness. We look at functions like memory. We look at where things are being lit up are activated, we look at the the chemical signaling and the messengers and neuroplasticity, like what grows neural connections and what decreases them, right? That's pretty limited. So with Ayurveda, we're looking, well, f- you know, just within the Vedic sciences, with even if you just say like yogic 
sciences from that same period, but like within not just Ayurveda, even if you look at, you know, ancient Mayan culture or tribal African culture, um, ancient Greek, just like across the globe, ancient cultures were all looking at consciousness. They were all looking at the mind. They were all looking at this also within the context of life purpose, connection to some kind of divine something, you know, however they described that energy. But everyone is going to start with what we can connect to easily, right? So I know, am I tired? Am I motivated? Am I feeling very present? Am I feeling very distracted? Am I feeling like, okay, I'm, I'm ready to go like get some work done or I'm feeling like I can't even think right now. So we're pretty good at being able to get into mind states. Yeah. We can also pretty well identify feelings. A lot of times I have to work with people. I feel like as a whole, we're getting a lot less adept at actually identifying feelings. Don't talk about feelings very much. I ask people how they feel all the time and they tell me what they think. (laughs) <laughs> and what happened? And I'm like, right, I yeah. asked you how you feel. You know? Yeah. Um, so we can identify feelings. What we're not so great at doing, but like a therapist could easily help you with is identifying like attitudes, right? And underlying belief systems and perspectives. Hmm. So these things, if if I'm trying to like look at what are the things I consider when I'm looking at doing healing work for myself or a client in improving how I feel overall, right? That's going to be emotionally, it's going to be with mind state. Mm -hmm. It's going to be with um, mental function. It's going to be with attitudes, perspectives, and thoughts and belief systems changing, Mm -hmm. right? Like it all comes together, right? So in the book, I actually go into applying, so I walk people through all the basics and current state and constitution, and then um, identifying their imbalances. And then specifically into digestive wellness starting places and emotional wellness starting places. That chapter is a really nice one for what I'm saying right now, which is like, okay, you got to take all these things into consideration. Um, And so when you're looking at, okay, how do the non-physical parts of me feel? Whether you call that your soul, your spirit, your mind, your deeper place of knowing, your whatever, it's everything non-physical, your psycho-spiritual self. How does that feel? These are all the things that I'm going to consider and attend to because if I want to have a true transformational shift in how I feel sustainably, you know, like going from feeling unsupported to so ridiculously supported took me three years, three years. Wow. And I was working on shifting how I'm making choices, how I'm aware of my emotional needs, how I'm not being reactive, how I'm expressing my emotional needs and asking nicely for them with others, how open I am to support, how I receive support, um, the type of people that I'm going to for support and really assessing other people's capacities, you know, like feeling deserving and self-worth. Like there was so much layered in that. And perspective and da, 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 we have to address all of it. And the beautiful thing is if you start in one place, it's going to affect all of it. And the, your natural life experience gives you the curriculum of what to address next. So it's not to say anyone's listening to this, like, oh my God, there's so much 
work I got to do. I have to address all these different parts. <laughs> How the hell am I going to do that? Yeah. Three years to feel supported. I, you know, <laughs> but it's like, no, I just realized it took me three years because, you know, I was going through some journals and I happened to see when I set the intention. And then, you know, I was three years forward of that and realized, oh my God, this has totally been achieved. But all of that work happens organically because life will bring you a situation. Yeah, and it's also one step at a time. I feel like it's not literally all of the work in one hour or one day or one week. It's also, as you said, it's different steps of your own life that will get you through a complete every step counts. Yeah, every step counts, and every step affects everything. So you change your attitude, that changes your mindset, that changes your neuro, Hmm. you know, chemicals, that changes your emotional state, right? So any positive work you do anywhere benefits everything is is like one key punchline of ayurveda is it's all interconnected and that's the biggest difference i guess with western medicine yes i think so um there's one other departure from like core fundamentals and that is that we're all created the same in western medicine because it's based on the theory that we are the same species we're homo sapiens so we must all function in a species specific way is how the approach works Whereas in Ayurveda, we'll say, no, we're all created with very unique patterns. And really, genetic medicine is clearly proving this. Yeah. And so the idea, for example, like I, I have anemia, I tend to run anemic, I always have, okay, why? Right? And I've always just been offered iron. Well, okay, I, I eat a ton of leafy greens. Like I, I really should not need more iron, right? So, you know, when I did my genetic analysis, um, I went with a functional medicine doctor here in Los Angeles because I just got to a point in my life where I'm like, I, I want to know my patterns with every tool that's possible, right? So it was super fascinating because she ends up telling me about these gene variants that I'm homozygous for that have to do with um, methylated folate and B12, right? Not iron. (laughs) And so even if I was taking a prenatal that happened to have B12 and folate, which are essential ingredients in the whole blood making pathways, it still wouldn't be cutting it. I I need, if I'm going to supplement methylated uh, folate and methylated B12, because I'm lacking the enzyme Otherwise, if that may, just to keep it like super simple English. Yeah. So it was like so, nothing close to nothing iron. to do with iron. So, but that's the thing is like we just don't have that level. Like, do you know we're just this rudimentary where it's like, okay, we know that anemia is caused by this, this, or this. Yeah. Oh, your iron levels seem to be low. Okay. Usually, supplementation with what is low is a natural thing. Like th- that makes sense, but it's just a very like shooting in the dark sort of approach but that that's where we were in medicine Mm. now with genetics it's like oh okay well why is it that your iron is showing up as low like let's look at the iron metabolism pathway and let's look at your genes and let's see where the exact intervention should really be pinpointed and then we can make it in that way and so not only that we can take it a step further now there's bioenergetics bioenergetics is understanding that every thing has frequency. Everything is vibrating. Everything, every pattern has a frequency. So all this popularity that we have of sound waves with different frequency, sort of healing frequencies, right? Um, Tuning forks. um, But sound therapy, I think is like the biggest 
place where we see this advancement. Yeah, and binaural beats and stuff like that. Right. So what we have in bioenergetics is we've coded all of the frequencies. So like anemia has a frequency. Iron deficiency anemia has a frequency. Um, Folate and B12 deficiency has a frequency. So we can now scan people for their frequencies and see specifically which bacteria is overgrowing in the intestine which um, emotional trauma frequencies is this person residing in. This um, is incredible. It's incredible. <laughs> and then here's the best part. We, can, we know the counter frequency. So then we can tune counter frequency and give it to you in so many different ways through laser, through sound, through water embedded with that frequency. I mean, wow. Oh, Now that's even more specific. Do you see what I'm saying? Because it's like our frequencies are constantly changing. So even if I do a genetic workup, that's just what I'm coded for. But it doesn't include the epigenetics, which means like which genes are being expressed more so and less so and why, right? It's just the genetics. So, I mean, you know, this genetic tendency doesn't mean I'm necessarily having that experience in my body because maybe I'm doing yoga in a certain way, or maybe I'm, you know, um, really happy with certain things and maybe it's causing a shift in how my genes are being expressed yeah um and i have you know a wild type so i have both options so the better option is being more expressed and so i'm not actually having that issue as much because it's all interconnected right with the bioenergetics i can scan you in real time and see exactly what's going on right now and that can change in a few weeks and then we can like alter that so i'm just learning about bioenergetics. I am not an expert. I have a girlfriend who is like really uh, more deeply delved into this. um, I knew about sound healing, but not bioenergetic. And is that open to the public or is it still in research mode or where is it? And that's what I was like, how come I don't know about this? Like, what the heck? Like, why isn't everyone doing this? This, it would put big pharma out of business. Yes, definitely. That's maybe why we haven't heard about it. Absolutely, because we can code the frequency of GABA and serotonin. And then if you're getting that dose, like, why would you take it in a pill that has all these side effects? Mm, wow that's fascinating i'm definitely gonna dive into that after this podcast (laughs) so thank you for sharing so we talk about how the mind influences the body but emotions do influences the mind too as we also mentioned what are the practical ayurvedic tools for balancing common disturbances of the mental and emotional realm and how powerful and effective are they we did touch on them the only thing i would add to what we've been saying is what I walk people through one in in the book and also in that resolving internal conflict course is learning how to uncode the emotional needs that the emotions are really just messengers, right? So if I'm feeling an unpleasant feeling, remember how we were saying earlier, it's just a guidance system. So it doesn't matter that it's anger or irritation or frustration or whatever. It's an unpleasant feeling. It's a red light. What's the point? Do I, I want to arrive at the red light and be like, why did I get to a red light? I'm so mad at myself for getting to a red light. I always get to red lights. I just want to get rid of all the red lights in the world. Like, no. And you know, while we don't want to medicate it, what I also like to say is you don't want to meditate it away either. Like, yeah, I can just sit there and meditate and start to feel good, but it's still just a short term. Like it's not honoring the fact the emotion has 
a significance and that it is a message. And this is where I deviate also from a lot of like yogic stuff out there that's like, you can achieve bliss and happiness in any setting. Like, no, you need to look at the energetics of your setting and change them to support your, you know, your, your mindset. Right. And in the meantime, in the short term, absolutely use tools, but you don't use that as an excuse to not be responsible for the energetics of your life. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? And do you feel like there is a need also to acknowledge the bad air quotes feelings or icky feelings? Yes, because that's the whole point. You want to acknowledge them to the point where you're like, hey, come in, have tea with me. <laughs> what are you trying to tell me here? What's going on? Yeah. And that message is the, the unmet emotional needs always, always, always. Hmm. And so what you want to be able to do is recognize the unmet emotional needs and, you know, see what the capacity is of your current situation to meet those unmet emotional needs. Maybe you just need a little tweak here or there. Maybe you just needed to get clear on them and express them. Maybe there's zero capacity of your, of the situation to meet your emotional needs. And you need to really like reevaluate being in that situation. Who knows, but we won't know until we know what your emotional needs are. Right. So that process of being able to know, Oh, okay. I have anxiety. Yes, I can meditate to temporarily soothe myself, but I really want to do the deeper receiving of what my unmet emotional needs are that are resulting in this anxiety. And when you meet those needs, the feeling, the messenger disappears, goes away. You don't have the anxiety anymore. You don't have the fear anymore. You don't have the irritability anymore. So it's about tuning into your body and then... Understanding it's about the message of your understanding emotions. the messages. Yeah. And so, yeah. like I said, like that deeper work is, is in those two resources. I mentioned the yeah. resolving internal conflict course and, and the book, the chapter on emotional wellness. Actually, since you've been mentioning your book several times, I want you to expand on it. <laughs> so now oh, I have okay. to talk about your book. Ayurveda <laughs> for yoga teachers and students bringing Ayurveda into your life and practice. So basically, to quote you, it teaches anyone the basics of Ayurveda and how to step into one's own Ayurveda lifestyle. And I actually love that you underline that we make our own lifestyle, especially since Eastern medicine emphasis on that, like the uniqueness of each person, each being. So it's quite validating. So thank you for that. (laughs) Yeah, good. And what sparks my interest, sorry, even more in that book is that you added different chapters on yoga, digestive and emotional wellness, and also worksheets too. So I need to hear more. Of (laughs) course, worksheets. I love worksheets. Yeah. Um, So, you know, I I do have an online sort of 15-day immersion into the basics of Ayurveda where I walk people through like how to categorize energetic patterns, how to see what their constitution is, how to see where their current state is, how to identify like a starting place for like making some balancing choices and and where to start. So if there are people who are like, you know, I'm not really a book reader. I just kind of want it delivered to my inbox. It's in very like purposefully bite-sized videos, like nothing more than 20 minutes, right? Um, So that 
if if anyone goes to the homepage on our website, there's a section that says new to Ayurveda and there's links to the 15-day online immersion. And there's also links to the book and you can read like reviews and see what people are saying and endorsements and take a peek at the table of contents and stuff. And then there's links right there to purchase it. It's on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Kindle, all that good stuff. The difference between the two, obviously there's a difference in the media, but the other difference in the two is that the online immersion, really because we're in an online container for two weeks together, I also include videos on going ahead and building the emotional awareness stuff. So, you know, I kind of infuse it a little more because we're in an experience together and I can in that container. So there's like journaling prompts. There's, I talk about some of these deeper patterns of cause of disease. I kind of like bring people into their only, their um, daily self check-in and, and sort of what to be looking for. And so th- there's a little more emotional wellness in the experience in mm. the 15 day immersion. What is not there, though, is like what I had the space to really expand on in the book, because with the book, you know, the publisher wanted it to be it's really people who have come into yoga who who generally find Ayurveda and it's like, oh, a Kitchery cleanse I heard about or there's a workshop in my studio or, you know, they mentioned yeah. it in teacher training or whatever, you know, but you don't have to be a yoga student or teacher to read the book. It's it's intro to Ayurveda. It's just I did speak from that lens. And so I want, I was thinking like, okay, these are people who really want the lifestyle. So not only are they going to want the basics, but they really want, like, they're going to want to start, you know, like, give me application, give me application. (laughs) And, and I'm like that too. You know, I want the impact. I want the, I want the application. So when I thought about like, where can I recommend for people to start, that's going to be most impactful because I'm an impact junkie, you know, it's always the, the heart and the gut. It's, it's the emotional body and the digestive system that affect every other part of us in the most profound ways. So that's why I decided like, okay, if I'm going to give them application stuff, it's going to be in the heart and the gut. Mm-hmm. So there's a whole chapter on emotional wellness and starting to apply that and a whole chapter on digestive wellness and starting to apply that with like charts and self-assessment tools and things like that. So the worksheets, so to speak, which are also on available online as downloads for people that prefer that. But there's also like in the book, in the appendices, you can fill out your little worksheets. Um, that's what that is. It's, it's like all self-assessment and kind of um, applying what you've learned in the chapter and, and to yourself. Right. Yeah. I love this and then, practical side that you put to good. It. sometimes it's like very, especially Ayurveda or complex subjects like that is so much information that you try to sink everything in, but actually applying to it with worksheets, with self-assessment, with things like that, and trying to apply it with different uh, practices you do during the day it makes it a little bit more real in a way and pushes you to do more of it yeah and you know in the the book the other chapter that's in there which is really fun is how to apply it to teaching your yoga classes like shifting energetic patterns based on what you're trying to achieve for like the season or for a particular client right so I think that there's always a place to start and 
what most yoga teachers and most people tell me about Ayurveda is like, oh, I learned about it or I read a cool book or watched a documentary, but it just seems so abstract. And yeah. it just seems like this like perfect lifestyle that I could never like, it would take like a part-time job to do all the self-care practices that you find, you know, like, yeah, I really have like two hours to oil myself every day. Like, come on, you know, it's just, it's not made for modern life. And, and this is really part of the motivation behind writing the book and creating my educational materials is no, like just because we're overwhelmed and just because it seems abstract doesn't mean it's not super transformational and amazing, even when practiced imperfectly. Right. So let's just start. Like it's about assess and respond, assess and respond, assess and respond. And, you know, trusting ourselves in the assessment is the hardest part because we've been so well-trained to trust the research, trust the authority, trust the expert, not ourselves, (laughs) (laughs) you know, so it takes a little practice. So yes, there's tools to guide us to like get comfortable with that, but definitely. And in all my teachings, you'll, you'll hear that, like, you're capable of this. Every step counts. It like, you know, everything's heading in the right direction. The awareness building is half of the battle and anything that you do to try to become more aware of how you feel and, you know, shifting in a way to feel better in life. Isn't that what we're here for? Everyone can do it. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) And very last question. Do you have simple daily habits that you do to be and act more consciously in life? And if yes, would you recommend some that would strengthen our mind so it's less prone to imbalances? Absolutely. So I actually say this in the um, intro course. If there is one practice that I could have everybody do that I really think would change the world, it would be 30 minutes a day of quality time with ourselves. And I know it sounds so simple, but I'm not talking about driving. I'm not talking about your yoga class, you know? Yes, it could be while driving, maybe if, you know, that's all you got. But I'm talking about really true quality time with yourself. I'm not even talking about meditating. I'm talking about just being there with yourself, being like, hey, how are you doing? Hey, how are you feeling? Hey, what's going on? Like, what thoughts are happening? What's your mind state? What patterns are going on? What's troubling you? What's not feeling good? What is feeling good? Hmm. How do you feel about what isn't feeling good? What do you think are, you know, da 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 da, like you would with a good friend, you know, like if you were just having a conversation, a check in. That is so powerful because it brings clarity. Hmm. And like when we know where we're at, you have that level of clarity organically you make healthier choices but if we don't take the time to do the check-in we don't build the awareness of what is and where we're at so then how can we really know what we need oh that's powerful one once again (laughs) yeah so 30 minutes check-in with yourself every day and I, you can be laying on the carpet, staring at the ceiling. You could be, you know, at a coffee shop with your cute journal. Like, it doesn't matter. You could be in the shower, you know, like just being present with yourself and really checking in and becoming aware of the state of affairs. Love it. Super powerful life-shifting practice. Love it, love it, love it. Where can we find you, Siva? You mentioned your website yes the website is the best place um i think you found me on instagram 
I did. Which is also Ayurveda by Siva. So that's A-Y-U-R-V-E-D-A-B-Y-S-I-V-A, ayurvedabysiva.com. And really the website has my events, my courses, the book, um, people that might be interested in private consultation and all of that good stuff. Thank you so, so, so much. Uh, I really enjoyed our talk. I love all of the beautiful and powerful gems that you sparkled here and there. So thank you so much. You're so welcome. We'll definitely stay in touch. And thank you for having me. Like, this is a really fun conversation. And I think you're asking really good questions. Oh, thank you. (laughs) That goes straight to my heart. (laughs) Good. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you to have taken the time to listen to me and my guest talking about conscious living. Conscious Matters is a self-produced podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review and ordinate. Five stars, always preferred. Your support will help to keep on raising the collective consciousness together. Talk to you soon.